Music. Reviews. Chats. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio for so much more. Welcome to the Vandal Factory Radio Show here on East Leeds FM. Uh, my name's Natalie Quatermass. And I'm Henry Raby. And together we are Vandal, Vandal Factory. Factory. It's a nice sunny day, isn't it? It is Sunday afternoon vibes, Henry. We've never done a show on no. a Sunday afternoon. The perfect show to discuss revolutionary politics. Ah, I've got my revolutionary sunglasses on. I feel super You've cool. You've got your like revolutionary a, cardigan on? Like a real, it's got flamingos on. And well, you know, that's what every revolution needs. It's isn't like it? a big old red cuddly flag. Exactly. How you doing? How's your hope? How's your anger, Hennis? I'm feeling really positive and hopeful. Oh, lovely. Because I went to see a really good queer musical a few weeks ah. ago. Ah. Oh, we did. We had the best time. We had the best time. At Hedrick and the Angry Inch. We've got that to look forward to. Some interviews and. Ref- Refreshments? Ref- ref- reflections. Reflections on a um, big old musical. On that great night. What else? Um, and last weekend, uh, a week ago today, I was at Manchester Punk Festival. <laughs> Did you have the best time? Oh, it was so lovely. I oh. think... Uh, Were you Pete Henry Raby? Just bouncing around from venue to venue, just like... Getting my spreadsheet out. (laughs) Which punk band am I going to see next? Well, (laughs) this band talked more about revolutionary politics, but this band are closer, so I can see more. No, I was very good. I tried to go, like, if I'm seeing a band, I'm seeing a band. I'm not catching, like, ten minutes here or a bit there and jumping from band to band. I'm just going to go see the band. But I was... Uh, running the punk poetry stage. Were you now? Um, so that was lots of fun. So yeah, lo- really hopeful because like everyone was just mint and like a little community Great. and saw some poets I've never seen before and some bands I've never seen before. Fantastic. Hey, Natalie Quatermass, how was your hope and how was your anger? I think um, both of, lot, lots of both, definitely loads of anger and loads of hope um, in between bits of tired sickness Mm. That's, that's how mine okay. is doing. Tired sickness. <laughs> I saw them at Manchester Punk Festival. Oh, yeah. yeah. The mint. Yeah. Go on. What's next? Uh, what, in the, in the running order? In the show, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to play a track yeah. by one of the bands I went to see. And, uh, oh, it was hard to choose because they were all great. But I'm going to play this song because um, this band Fresh, like, there's like Manchester Punk Festival, there's loads of different types of punk music there, yeah. right? But like, there is still like a very um, female element and a very like queer presenting element. And it just felt they, you know, you'd spot a few people here and there going, like, I bet we're into the same bands or like, <laughs> we'd be friends. Um, and but for Fresh's audience, I feel like they all converged on one space. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's just a song about getting revenge, and Lovely. it's called Revenge by Fresh.
That was great. I love that. <laughs> Just a reminder, Natalie, you are valued and you are loved. And I will get revenge on everyone. <laughs> so I came up with an idea for a brand new feature. It's time to play Punk Band or Ale. I have here a list of bands or ales. All the bands, mm. if if they are a band, they played at Manchester Punk Festival. Great. If they're an ale... They they just exist in the world. Okay, they're not ales. <laughs> they're not they're, you, they're not ales you that had went to Manchester weekend. Punk Festival. No. Okay, so you basically have to decide whether it is an ale. I'm excited. Or a punk band. So first one, in evil hour. In evil hour. In evil hour. Ale. A hardcore punk band from oh. the northeast. Oh. Oh. Reindeer Porter. Ooh. Reindeer, Reindeer Porter. Porter. Ale. Yes. yes. It is a Leeds Brewery Festival Ale, a festive ale. Baby Faced Assassin. <laughs> Band. Uh, no, they no! are oh, Rooster no. Brewery. Uh, Say it again. Rooster Brewery. No, the name of the ale. Baby Faced Assassin. Baby Faced Assassin. Baby Faced Assassin. You, Henry Rogan. Melt Banana. Melt Banana. Ale. <laughs> They're a Japanese noise rock legendary band. Oh, no. oh, there's, there's a lot of noise rock fans out there annoyed at you now. And a lot of flavours, flavours <laughs> in bands. Yeah, oh. flavoursome flavor some lyrics. Bruise control. Now, I have to say bruise is spelt like, you know, when you punch my arm and it bruises. Not brew. Not brew, yeah, so... Okay, bruise, bruise con- control. Bruise control. Band. Yes, Manchester lads. Oh, Thousand yard stare. Oh, I'm giving him the thousand yard stare. That's what I form this band. That's what I do most nights. Just, just staring into stare. the abyss. Planning your revenge. Yeah. Um, thousand yard stare. Oh, I'm just going to go see um, thousand yard stare. Oh, do you know what I fancy? A really nice pint of thousand yard stare. T-Y-S. I think it's the first one. Uh, band. It's a uh, Rooster Brewery. It's a hazy oh, pale. No! <laughs> What what this proves is that, you know, it's a great feature. It is great, Na- and I'm rubbish. <laughs> Nanny State. Oh, br- beer. Yeah, brew yeah. dog. But, brew you know. I knew that one. A punk man could be called Nanny State. Yeah, yeah. Bang Bang Cocktail. Um, Band. Yes. yes. Where, where Where in the world do you think they're from? Bang Bang Cocktail. Bang Bang Cocktail. Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Don't make me guess. They're from France. Are they? They're an acoustic ska band. Why would band. I guess that? I don't know. Oh, it's right. just, it's okay. just keeping the momentum going. All right. <laughs> Nosebleed. Oh, minging. <laughs> if this is a beer, I'll be so disappointed <laughs> in whoever made it. Band. Band. Yes. Oh, Leeds Garage Rock and Roll Trio. Phew. Last one. Yeah. Uh, Witch Fever. Beer. Nah, they're doom punk, mate. Oh, what? And they're a really good band. And I. Witch Fear. I, and Witch Fever. Witch Fever. Well, uh, I, I heard Witch Fear. And when I. Oh, okay. Completely different. Right. <laughs> when, I, when I went to get some merch off the merch doll, because that's the essence of punk, mm-hmm. Paddy Constantine was in front of me. Oh. And I, the nicest thing I did all festivals, not photobomb the lead singer of Witch Fever, oh. um, get in. Get in a photo with that's Paddy Constantine. Anyway, well, that was a nice little feature. Thank you, And Henry. there's a nice little that. anecdote. 
So while I was at MPF, uh, I chatted to a whole bunch of punk poets and I got some sweet Vox Pops, which you had a little snippet of earlier. Um, so it's time to hear from some of the coolest punk poets this side of... The Pennines? Punk- Punkton. <laughs> Hi, I'm Suki Goodfellow. I'm a queer punk poet. Hey, I am Ross McFarlane, and uh, I guess the kind of punk poetry I do is like very like hope punk. I love my friends, and I want to <laughs> talk about how much I love them <laughs> on a stage loudly and quite quickly. Uh, Crowrud, and I don't know really. Like frenetic and weird is, I think, what I'd call it. Hey, my name's Sophie Sparrow, and my brand of Poetry is Derbyshire, rowdy, political, uh, random pop cultural references. There you go. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Jay, and I describe my punk poetry as emotional, um, witty, I'd like to think, but passionate. I think passionate is probably the key key aspect to it. My name is Paul Case. I used to perform under the name Captain the Rant, but I reverted to my uh, real name. Um, and how have my brand of punk poetry... Oh, no, it's sort of anarchist influence, or at least it very much used to be. Um, but as I've got a bit older, it's sort of a little bit more reflective about um, just feeling quite disappointed and uh, hungover and most of the time. So, is that based on real-life experiences? Most, it's based on real-life experiences, yeah. But I quite like that, you know, it's like the... Um, uh, I think there's definitely space for that brand of misery in, in spoken words, so I'm perfectly happy to fill that spot. The only poem actually I've written the last year is by Matt, a zombie pigeon, because I spent a lot of time looking at birds in the pandemic, because they're the only, I mean, you know, you couldn't pay to go to see gigs or anything, but though, you know, I would watch the birds and be like, oh, they're, you know, they're, they were the punks of lockdown I feel like tweet, tweet, rah, honk, the honking and the tweeting and you're like oh this is great regular show um, so the yeah I haven't been writing a lot of poetry I've been writing more lyrics for my band Fisty Muffs and yeah they've been about corporate greenwashing and just the failure of our capitalist system to um, protect the people living under it things are, things are rubbish and, and it's, but it's not just things are rubbish these days and will be rubbish it's as they always were also so like you know <laughs> it's, it's just because you know it should be pointing that out to everybody and making everyone as unhappy as I am throughout my set when I first started writing poetry I, I was really uh, inspired by, by protest music uh, particularly crass they were like one of my biggest inspirations so I guess they kind of kicked off poetry um, for me but as I've got older I still believe in that writing that poetry as well there's a space for that but I also love writing poetry that's about joy and celebration and and little things like I wrote a poem about the washing up the other day and I was so proud of that <laughs> so I think there's space for both things. For me personally punk has always been anti-establishment very very left-wing and I think that shines through in the ethos and like the delivery and the content of a lot of punk poets. Uh, I think I have spent like as much as I like my general brand is hope punk. I have spent a lot of time just writing like not too bleak, but like quite bleak shit over the last couple of years. There's not been <laughs> not been a huge amount of inspiration outside of that, and like just being reminded that like people have all this amazing work that's celebratory and nice 
has been lovely and that's kind of like oh yeah that's the thing that I love doing and that's what I want to be doing and I think when I go home that's what I'm going to be writing now it's just sort of fueled by this anger at like the lack of options for actually for, for change really I feel like you know and I feel frustrated with myself personally I don't feel I do enough I used to be quite involved in activism I've step, I stepped back quite a lot in, in recent years. Obviously, the pandemic hasn't hasn't helped anything. Um, and yeah, so I'm frustrated myself for my own lack of action. Uh, like, and like most armchair anarchists, I get frustrated at everyone else's lack of action. It's like, why aren't you doing this thing for me? Like, you lazy ba bastards. Um, but I think generally, yeah, it's, it's generally it's generally the same it's generally the same things which which badge which bother me. Just general like global injustice, the horrors of waking up every morning living in this nightmare you know that sort of thing angry i'm angry i'm very angry at the tories <laughs> that's generally my my my, my my direction in punk poetry is which tory can i shout at emotionally demanding subjects all the time is draining for anybody and i think to an extent you get tired of performing your trauma for audiences and i don't think uh, poets should be expected to do that continuously. Um, so yeah, now I'm kind of just enjoying writing from a happier place. There will be angry poems to come, I'm sure, but um, I've got a bunch in the bank anyways that I can whip out. When you do punk poetry, it's all about like being part of, let's say, a movement. Like I know, I know a lot of punk poets like yourself got behind uh, the climate stuff when it when it was all like fracking and stuff. A lot of very anti-government positions are held by punk poets, and it seems to generally be punk poets that hold the government to account. And it's punk poets who, you know, go after the people that normies. In, in quotations, don't tend to go after. I think, you know, you can feel so many different things at the same time, but I, I look, for me, I look for hope in, like, the, the tiniest things, like the everyday things, the things that uh, we often uh, don't really appreciate or that we walk past, like, I don't know. For example, I, I did a poem early on called Ode to Ode, and uh, one of the lines was about finding a random slice of pizza just propped on top of a bin. You, you know, with... Uh, you only get when you order a pizza and you get those tiny little table, the mass tables inside pizzas stop the box from wilting. It's propped on that. It's just like little tiny everyday life things that make life worth living, really, and things that we uh, we, we pass by, and that's what gives me hope. And and community, like lockdown and life has been interesting. Just <laughs> um, say that that's the word I use, yeah. but it's like seeing the community come together and seeing people just help each other out. It's been amazing for me, it's brought a lot of hope. The scenes that I grew up in and the people that I met through there were loving and kind and wonderful and doing amazing things and just like, yeah, beautiful people doing wonder, like helping each other out and that's the bit I want to celebrate of like the scene that I grew up in. If you're a good promoter, one of the great things that um, I've seen DIY gig promoters do is maybe put, like, if you're broke, we still want you to come, just drop us a message explaining that. And like, we'll, you know, we'll trust that if you're broke, like you, yeah. then yeah, we'll trust you and say you, you want to then come in for free. Like we just want you to see the gig. Um, and like, you know, people, if you are in the scene, and you can afford it. Like, actually, people want to pay. You want to support other artists. I think there's that kind of sense in the community. I really like finding joy in other people and the things that we can build together and the fact that if this country does go to shit, 
then there's at least some people that I know, you know, that'll fight back against that as much as we can. And, you know, we'll be on the barricades and... Reading, reading poetry on reading the Reading poetry on the barricades, yeah, absolutely. Because every single song you own is a banger. It's time for Nat's banger of the hour. Bangers? Is it a banger? Excellent stuff. This is um, my banger of the hour. Today is the 24th of April, which means it is a very special day in radical history because it is the anniversary of the Kinder Scout trespass. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that is... Um, on this day in 1932, hundreds of young workers wa- walked on private land and uh, many were arrested. And this was uh, a rebellious act against the wealthy aristocratic landowners. So my um, my banger of the hour is in honour of those people who, who, who were arrested, but also anyone ever since who has trespassed on land that is um, wrongly, I think, declared to belong to someone else when really we know that fresh air and um, sunshine and a nice view should belong to everyone. We should all have access to it. So this is a song by my very much loved Commoners Choir here in Leeds. They're on tour at the moment and you can find them on their Hope and Anger tour. They're going to Sheffield, Stockton, Saltaire, Hebden Bridge, Stourbridge and Glasgow, like a right good tour that they've got going on. And this is one of my favourite songs to sing with them. And This is called Trespass. This little patch of common ground was precisely that, common, and all the richer for it. When your heart says yes, but the sign says no, go where you're forbidden to go. Sweet and radical. Oh, yeah, that's favorite. how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing his own thing. Yeah, that's right, folks. Time, it's time for Henry to do his own thing, which is actually, this time, it's uh, connected to, also to the Kinder Scout trespass. We've been doing this show six episodes now, but what you might not know about us is in the mists of time in previous lives, we were making a show which hopefully one day we will return to mm. called English Dirt about land ownership and about the injustices of carving out and fencing off space and going, oh, actually, uh, this is ours. And by <laughs> ours, we mean the millionaires. So, yeah. soz. <laughs> so, this is a poem that sort of was part of that show, spoken word piece, and that I just wanted to share on the anniversary of the Kinder Scout Trespass. Who owns England? No one. No one. Tribes? Clans? The Britons? Celts? Rome? The Anglo-Saxons? The Normans? Then, from here on in, the crown. 
The crown owns all the land. The barons and earls and lords have estates of land, but the crown owns all the land. Peasantry live in fen, marsh, valley, field, moor, until common land is stripped away by the enclosure laws. Flock to cities, to factories and docks, to roads, trains, mines, mill and slum homes. The state secure land for housing, hospitals for schools, forests to fuel the war, build up barracks. For weekend breaks, the coasts, lakes and hills will serve. English heritage and national trust set to preserve. 1980s, how time flies, right to buy and privatise. All barons parade their stately homes. American bases and Russian oligarch investment. Telecommunications, power, pipelines, industrial farming, rock and resource, soil and dirt. Who owns this green and pleasant earth? Call it an economic opportunity, call it oppression and thievery. Behind St George's red-white tapestry, someone is making money. Land. They're not making any more of it. England is in much demand, someone profits where they can. Even though the Crown owns all the land, welcome to England. You soggy summer beast, with your gritty tides... Birth, birch, oak and willow, breezy mountain top trickles to heather moor, mud in the guts of fens, brittle rock atop curved crags. The park attendant who locks up the, at the approved time, the gamekeeper keeping an eye out for decreed crimes, the security guard armed with torch and strict orders, the CCTV oblivious to the scene of a dawn chorus, the supermarket manager forbids non-delivery access to the street, the officer insists this base is secret so you can't just take a look. The stately home opens seasonally for a sneak peek but that's all you're seeing the street remains closed, millionaires uninhabited, silently, just needs a good dust. Keep your voice down. How dare you want to know what's in my private home? My bedroom or my bathroom, just leave it all alone, you nosy parkers. Keep out signs, private land signs, no public access signs, trespassers will be prosecuted signs. Is this yours? What are you doing here? Where are you going? Where are you from? Oh, man, I love those words so much. I said to Henry before we started the show and he told me he was going to read that piece that like, hearing those words again, that um, for anyone who doesn't know, we were like halfway through kind of making this show when uh, coronavirus and lockdown hit. So it's, it for, sort of feels like a, an ex-lover that I've yet to like re- mm. be rekindled with. Um, I think one day we can we can certainly do a whole dedicated radio show to English Dirt and land ownership and all its themes but also I hope we just get to make that show because you're really good with them words. We talk about hope a lot on the show and I've got hope that all that work we did all those years ago Yeah, <laughs> I agree but one of the people that we, we were mm-hmm. working with What a um, segue. I know right Yeah, You're not supposed to point these things out <laughs> just, don't, don't tell I'm them how so brilliant I am I'm so proud of how clever our running order is <laughs> Um, so one of the people that we were working with on Making English Dirt was um, a dear friend of ours, Frances Bolly, who is an awesome musician. And she has just 
done an incredible job as lead guitarist in a huge queer punk musical that has just finished this weekend, a two-week run. It was called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I gave uh, Henry, or I bought us both tickets to go see it for Henry's Christmas present. And we went to see it a couple of weeks ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And I believe that we now have some chat with Francis straight after the show where you can catch our vibes. <laughs> so get your nets out, kids. <laughs> Head We're here at Leeds Playhouse. We've just seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Natalie, and it was brilliant! Oh, that- that proper mint. Yes. We said it was great how at the same time it looked like a dirty punk venue, but also glamorous and sparkly. Yes, and I was comparing it to the film and saying in some ways it is the same, but in other ways it is different. <laughs> and for more analysis, here's Henry. It's just about trusting people, isn't it? And how you shouldn't. <laughs> and always being yourself. Yeah, none of, none of the people that she trusts like never really pays off does it no 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 all the relationships are about power and a mis- yeah. misuse of power in both directions yeah but it's it's so good it, yeah. the music is awesome and um, everyone was swaying and clapping the guy next to me like desperately wanting to belt out all the words oh, bless him and he and, did a little and, and that was me uh, yeah <laughs> and that next to me wouldn't do it as well uh and here we have some audience members who also enjoyed the show, maybe. What did you think, audience member? Is this for a real radio show, or are you just going to listen back to this in your bedroom later on? Hang on a minute. Do I um, recognise that voice from one of our jingles? He's doing his own thing! Yeah, that's right, folks. We've got Dave Jarman here. Well, I was short of ideas for Christmas presents to buy at the end of this year, but now I'm getting all my friends a 15-foot inflatable gummy bear in bondage gear. And this was directed by Jamie Fletcher, whose last show at Leeds Playhouse was called... Dancing Bear. Dancing Bear. Dancing Bear for those of us that are from around here and that little the, the bear that you're talking about is a little reference I think to the last show that she did which me you know only the true fans yeah and at the end as well there was a little bear on the on the TV screen and I thought the next poem I'm wrong I'm going to put a 12 foot inflatable reference to the last poem I wrote in that one just for me, mates. And uh, we've also got another audience member here, renowned poet, playwright, academic, lecturer, and I'm going to say it, legend. This is Hannah Davies. Hello, Hannah Davies. Welcome to the Vandal Raptor podcast. Hi, thanks for having that. me. This is the Vandal Factory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually go by leg end, so, you know. Thank you for having me. Uh, what did you think? Did you yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. It was bloody lovely. I, I've not seen the film, so it was my first encounter with Hedwig and her Angry Inch, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Would you prefer the Angry Inch or Well, I think they come as a pair, and you've got to love them both, really. Now, Hannah, you're an artist that uses a lot of music in the work you do. Did you yeah. think that the music, the storytelling, the stand-up all blurred together in this beautiful, punky Yeah, way? I really liked it, and I thought that they used the band brilliantly. You know, they all had, like, a sense of character and sort of a little bit of a narrative, but they never kind of 
really overtook the show and I just thought yeah the, the kind of the interplay between yeah band and stand up and drag act and cabaret I thought it was all brilliantly seamlessly knitted together it was yeah. perfect and what I really liked actually my favourite bit was I'm really glad that we came tonight because we had the BSL interpreter and they were just amazing and I really loved the way they completely integrated them into the show and I was for a lot of the show I was looking at that and going oh my god I need to learn BSL it's amazing and my favourite moment because we were right at the back um, of the auditorium and there was a, when we were all clapping and cheering and standing up and going woo woo I saw loads of hands go up and do the BSL sign language clap um, sign and I thought that was a lovely touch got more out of the lyrics from watching yeah, the BSL and, and yeah. as a hearing person yeah. that, like it, it enhanced it for me mm. it's so awesome <gasps> and the star of the show is not who <laughs> you might think Davina De Campo but Francis Bolly mm-hmm. who's our loved, beloved friend and artist that we work with and you and gave her the, her first break Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't run the pubs of York. Oh, um, <laughs> shut up for saying the truth. She was amazing, this league guitarist. Yes. It was me. <laughs> and, and every time she had a, a, a guitarist solo, and obviously uh, we're going to cheer extra loud at that point, but then the whole audience cheered at that point, and I was like, oh, it's like everyone knows my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Lovely thanks, stuff. Thanks for the Christmas present, mate. You're welcome. I had a lovely time. I was bashing my head. You were, weren't you? I was, I was engaged throughout. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mate. Do you want me to turn this up? Yep. <laughs> Can you stop doing your radio voice? Head me! Honestly, it's been like unbelievable. Like I, I'm, I haven't had a time to process it yet. Really, um, very, very, very full schedule, very busy. Um, but absolutely every single person on the show, behind the scenes and in front on stage, has been incredible. Um, and I know everyone says that, and everyone has to say that, but like it's genuinely true. Did you feel that camaraderie from the start, or was that Jamie yeah. like working with you no. and forming so you into a I, gang? I had met Davina before. I'd worked with her once before. Um, I was filling in for a guitarist when she was doing a cabaret show. Um, so I'd met her before and knew that she was lovely and like thought she was great. Um, so I was so happy, obviously, to get cast it. And when, when I knew Davina was involved, I was just like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Um, I think a lot of people have asked if the band are a band, like not in the show. And we were like, no, no, we, we met at audition and just... Um, so the way they did auditions was like they rounded it down to like six people and then auditioned us as like threes. Um, and so I was with these two and I literally came out just being like, I hope it's them. I really, really, really hope it's them. Um, sorry, with um, Isis and Jess. Yeah. Um, who play the bass and the drums. Isis Dunthorpe playing the drums and Jess Williams on the bass. Um, yeah, I was with those two and we did just like, we clicked and it was great. Um, and I was like, I hope, I hope it's them. Um, so I was super happy when I turned up on the first day and it was, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And who cooked your lunch before your audition? <laughs> oh, well, that would be you, Nat. That would be you. Thank you so much for the support and the encouragement. You're welcome. Yeah. Something that we... I mean, I wanted to stand up and dance and mosh and barge into people. From, the, from minute one. Yeah, yeah. From minute 
one. Like I, d I didn't want to sit down. Like I, I, we were waving at you like like yeah, proud yeah. primary school parents before before we sat down. Be like, Francis, Francis, we're here, darling. Like a school. I can't break the pre-show. I was like, I can't, I can't be the one that's like, oh, hi, mom, hi, mom, from the stage. I was like, no, no, no. I've been I've been hanging around with actors long enough now this last week to be like no no we don't do that yeah 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 be if cool I, guys stay cool I can pretend I can pretend I've seen audiences this is so Wednesday Thursday Friday third night audiences yeah. have been have been wanted more vibes more, yeah, but you yeah. felt that they're they're, they're laughing they're having fun yeah yeah it's been great I mean tonight was lovely like we all came off stage being like it was a great night um, we felt like we played really well the audience was really good. Um, like the house was busy it was a good audience um, we have had like rowdier audiences actually press night um, was surprisingly energetic you know for a press night you kind of expect press to just you know be very calm a little bit analytical um, but yeah 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 exactly um, but yeah yeah that they get free booze so they're all is that how they do it yeah 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 no yeah I'm just learning about how theatre works I didn't know about previews I didn't know about press night you <laughs> slip into that world like you're just born to be on that stage I think it was Jams that was saying before four seconds in and you had your boot up on that stage and you were like opening the show with a guitar solo and it just completely looked like you were born to be there and and throughout it we were just we are so so proud of you and no questions asked that it was you know absolutely meant to be thank you so much like I yeah, I appreciate that a lot because um, it's been a lot terrifying, a lot like, you know, out of my usual comfort zone. But actually also, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like it was written for me. I was like, when the designer was like talking about what he wanted to put me in, I was like, I kind of already own all those clothes. I kind of already <laughs> dress like that already. Like, and then when they're talking to <gasps> my favorite moment, favorite moment, I literally could have cried, got the score for the first piece um, for Tear Me Down. And um, in the bit where they're doing the speaking, it's just put in brackets um, feedback as like my note for what he wants me to do. And like, I don't know how musical you people are, but like feedback is usually what you don't want your electric guitarist to be doing. And it is my favorite thing to do in the entire world. So I was just like, this, this show was made, this part was made for me. Um, and it's just felt like that really. I've been like, I don't really have to act because I am this excited to be here. And I only have to act when I have to not be excited um, when I'm supposed to be somber. Otherwise, I'm just like, it's great. Musically, you were saying before that like it's super challenging for you, even as like a very experienced guitar player. I mean, it's we had a lot to learn very quickly. Um, I'm not used to either having a longer time to learn other people's stuff or um, like writing like writing my own stuff. And actually, Alex was great in that. Um, you know, he gave us scores and he gave us like yeah, gave us kind of that stuff arranged. Um, but was very much like this is a starting point we want it to feel like yours and to feel very organic um, you know to bring yourself into it um, so that's been amazing to be able to you know shape parts and to bring our you know bring ourselves into it but it's still yeah not not what I'm used to doing um, so that was yeah yeah that's been been a bit of a learning curve um, but they've been great like this is just every single step of the way um, really nurturing really great with the notes like they've been given just super helpful um you know, no mentions when there have been mistakes. Like, I've been like, oh, no, I, I screwed this bit up and this bit up. And Alex has been like, don't worry about it. I know, I know you'll get it. I know you've got it. Like, it's fine. Even, like, right through to previews, right through, like, I was like, came off the first preview. And I was like, oh, no, I messed up these notes. And I was like, it was great. Everyone's really excited. Everyone's had, a, like, the energy here now is that one of, like, 
everyone's really think we've done a great job. So like that, we've done a great job. And you were saying there was loads of different references to lots of different types of music that are going through. If you were going to pick one song to be on East Leeds FM out of those references, which song would it be? Um, I need longer to think. It's Rex Manning Day as well, so I kind of want you to play something from Empire Records, like Sugar High, um, but that's not anything to do with Hedwig. It's just another cult 95, 90s film. Thank you for talking to us, Francis Ballet. I wonder if this is what it's like being at university studying journalism. Yeah. <laughs> go out into the cafe and just interview someone. Ah, lovely stuff. Now, I've not seen the film Empire Records, so I don't understand what Rex Manning Day is, and I probably should have Googled it beforehand. (laughs) But, dear listener, if you know what that is, that was a nice little sneaky bonus for you listening to Sugar High by Coyote Shivers, uh, Francis's choice of song from that little interview. What a delight. What did we learn from that little interview, Natalie? I think we learned that I'm better at radio after three glasses of large red wine. (laughs) And and a whole gig. And a whole gig. That was was 
quite something. I feel like that we were more energetic in that 12-minute clip than we have been in the other 45 <laughs> minutes of this show. But it's a Sunday. Just yeah, chill out. Chill out yeah, don't yeah. send us a load of emails moaning. Right, let me provoke you. Whoa! The chat train is pulling into Nat's provocation station. Right, folks, hello. This is my provocation for April. I'm going to try to bring old Henna's into this one a little bit more. Um, So anyone who's listened to previous shows, you'll know that um, I tried to keep my flames of hope and anger alive and and in check by focusing either on grassroots organising and and community activism or the super large-scale international global picture. Um, However, there are times when the national governance and politics comes banging, kicking and screaming on my window and I can no longer ignore it. Not that I'm ever really ignoring it because I always try and keep abreast of what's in the news. But I think particularly since Johnson and the Conservative Party won such a massive majority in 2019, I've certainly felt a sense of like, well, we're strapped in to this horrific roller coaster and you've just got to get through it so i don't mean to sound apathetic but but i think maybe it's about having a realistic sense of like your own en- agency and where you can best place your energy i don't know henry do you have like a sense of when sometimes you're focusing more on a national picture and then other times when you want to focus on like the smaller more grassroots stuff i suppose the the cop-out answer is they all feed into one another right so i guess uh, a little example is um uh, not necessarily environmentalism but hideous hostile environment policy at the moment is let's um send asylum seekers uh offshore to rwanda Rwanda to to be processed um and so on a national level that's a disgusting huge like big picture policy right because Mm -hmm. it's about the grand image of what we as a nation think of people come into these shores we go right we'll get get them somewhere else right Mm -hmm. but on a local level it means that you need to team up with anti-raids organizations there is an anti-raids organization in leeds there's making sure that um uh, refugee charities organizations mutual aid refugee um uh, self-organized groups themselves Mm -hmm. are really um fortified against that yeah and like so that, that there is real defense so that as we saw in glasgow last year when raids come the community come out and literally stop people from being taken away in a van yeah now so one thing informs the other it, it's like this sort of um i don't know this this sort of spectrum where yeah. you have to place yourself and there are some politicians that are on the big picture that right. are like right Big petition here's time. Here's the po- here's a challenge to that policy. Here's where we have to fight on the national level. Um, but the problem is that I think a lot of those big scale politicians who go, this is an outrage, like the next day might sign something going, but we need immigration controls. Mm-hmm. And actually all these blur into one thing of like this narrative, but we need mm-hmm. to do something about all these asylum mm-hmm. seekers, refugees. Whereas on the grassroots, you can be quite dare I say pure and just go like this is my friend he lives locally I don't want him to be deported so this is the activism that I'm going to do I say this as someone that is 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 a settled person that, that yeah. then so when I say I can only speak about defending my friend though you know if we were speaking to an asylum seeker refugee or immigrant they'd have a different perspective on 
their sure. activism because I'm talking as a an ally basically. Yeah. I think yeah, exactly. You've you've hit the the nail on the head for like what my recent it's not a dilemma, but I think mm. maybe the contradictions and these things that float around have been uh, very present for me recently. So, yeah, things like since December 19, 2019, mm. um a large part of what this government had to do is manage a crisis mm. and then it seems like in me- recent months they've managed to get their heads around being more proactive with their policy making and so since then we've had the policing bill uh we've had banned conversion therapy for gay and bisexual people but mm. not transgender people oh. we've had uh you know uh, changes to making um you know immigration laws and and sending to people to rwanda etc so like the horror of actually what that party represents Mm. and is kind of really coming to roost now for me Mm. more so than than since december 2019 i think and i'm starting to go like okay wow like i can no longer do this thing of like just grassroots and international maybe Mm. i don't know or as you say like they're also connected um, I, I think, like, going back to some of the what the punk poets who did MPF were saying, when, you know, I asked them, like, what gives you hope? And, like, a lot of them were like, it isn't big things. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if it was in that, I don't think it was in that edit. So but the like, pizza slice on the bin. <laughs> yeah, that one as well. <laughs> the little, like, little observations, but it's like community, it's like odd things that yeah. just remind you of being human and alive. I think a poll case says it didn't make it into that edit but that he was he was saying he just feels so dissatisfied on the large scale of like mm-hmm. what's happening on the big scale so we have to um manage our expectations so if you know that your community are what give you hope and fire you up then of course you're going to look yeah. to them for for, for nourishment for, for, for nourishment yeah. when on the large scale it is this like block of 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 hegemony and normality and this is how things are so like if that if that doesn't give you hope then why would you turn to that maybe it does yeah. give some people hope people seem to be finding hope in it but they're not people i know or trust or <laughs> rely on or like <laughs> and that and that is it but i have also had to engage with the small mm. end um, of the scale in terms of but still mainstream politics recently so most of most people listening I'm sure will know that um, my partner John is running for, to be a, a local councillor for the Labour Party in, in the local area of Killingbeck and Seacroft so I've been involved in in uh, trying to get the word out to as many people as possible to turn up and vote on May the 5th and, and get John talking to local people and it's really interesting to think of uh, to see this like what actually the role of a councillor is because mm. I think it's quite um, there's lots of misconceptions around what that role is certainly I don't think I had any idea about mm. like actually what this job entails and and John's journey to this point is really interesting because in essence a couple of years ago when the first lockdown came along we were fed up of all the litter and the rubbish mm. on the field behind our streets and so decided to go litter picking mm. and through that he then realised that that field that's behind our house didn't have a Google pin in it. So he started a conversation with some local people online to go, does anyone know what that's called? And that led to a Facebook group that was called the Friends of Parklands. Mm. And then that escalated into him creating or like founding the Wombles and then delivering rubbish bags and talking to people on the street and like forming all these relationships with people that then led to him having (laughs) 
Have I told you about he's got graffiti nemesis? <laughs> Have I told you graffiti this? Graffiti nemesis. Yeah. No, no. Well, Have I not mentioned not this? Not to me no. or the listener. Oh. Well, so so one of like John is tenacious with wanting to clean up the place mm. and 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 uh, he observes these fantastic details that like I think the vast majority of people would just walk past a broken fence or get used to, you know, graffiti on a bin, but he has got it in his head now over the last two years that he's just not going to put up with it anymore and he's going to fix it. And either that's complaining or finding the right person to petition or raising money or sometimes buying some graffiti spray and going out with himself and mm. like scrubbing the graffiti off the bin. Um, and so now there's there's some places where we go to walk the dog where... Um, he's having like a graffiti off with, we don't know who they are, his nemeses. So it's like he has to go to a certain bin to see whether there's one tag that comes back and then he scrubs it off and then like the next time we go back. So he's got like a tally of if he goes back to walk again and there's not the graffiti on, he's like, yes, I win. Or if he comes back and like that tag's there, he's like, no. We have to pick sides. I feel like I'm on the side of the graffiti tagger. Like this show's called Vandal Factory. I'm like, go graffiti tagger. Like stick it to the to the. But when the vast man. majority of people are graffitiing, then who is the vandal? The one who cleans it? Oh, I'm not even. That's that's a different. That's a different thing. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, my point is that the things that will make John hopefully a good councillor, and the reason I think people should go out and vote for him on May the fifth, is because he's tenacious and cares and understands the issues of um, the people who live in this area and he's good at responding to emails and quite like you know it's it's skills that you really don't think like I don't I'm not going to put that on the poster I'm not going to be like vote for John he's good at responding to emails but that is like the practicalities of the job like ultimately you do want someone who will listen to your problems and just kind of go Oh, I'll, I'll see what I can do and try and work out that issue. And that, so to bring it back yeah. to my original point is like just seeing that really practical side of what that job is. It's a really strange job interview. And then with the kind of on the other side of the, the scale to have this sort of roaring anger at the national picture mm. um, and the national policies of our current government. Um they seem very removed from each other, and I've just been finding that um, that contradiction uh, just interesting. I guess is the word. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like I I've done a lot of being angry at the government. Yeah, and I am will never stop being angry at the government. Um, I suppose like I have to also acknowledge that I'm in quite a privileged position. That like. Their policies do affect me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, as, as, but I'm not a threat, no, I suppose. No, um, I get, you know, I think, um, I think there's an anger at uh, here we go againness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a, why, why don't? I think why is, is it good? I just why, don't understand why, why I, it's good. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's like, wh- how is how a how are people not worked this out yet? But then that's that's the criticism of the left being very um, 
we know right we know yeah. best like yeah. we've got it sussed we're we're arrogant and sure. how can how can anyone not think that this is the best thing mm-hmm. to do but what i do think is amazing is how so many people that i saw rally to johnson and put in there in the the grassroots of his party that on the small local level like campaigned against may f- in his favor now go in he's he's toxic mm. and not and like genuinely believe that he it's right. like the cult of personality um and again you go i mean i saw him on have i got news for you in the 2000s like how is this news yeah um the mask is slipping this is but, what you voted for yeah but it doesn't work because the the it's 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 who's the next one that will you know keep that hostility going mm. um so i think you've just got to keep that anger going yeah but like you'll burn out if you don't find your hope but we knew that <laughs> But maybe some. I think there's didn't. there's many issues with our political system and that and, and party politics and all the procedures and history and the bu- bureaucracy and the traditions and the hypocrisy. Like there's there's a lot of, you know, there's grey area everywhere, isn't there? The, the, it's it's um it's politics, um, and whether you're inside the system or consider yourself outside the system or whatever, you wherever you're at on that scale. I think we can all agree that evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Good men do nothing. Evil will triumph if good men say nothing. Evil will triumph if good men do nothing. Don't